Now, for the information of all hands. Welcome to Episode 7 of the 1MC with Master Chief Jason Vander Hayden. I'm your host, Chief Crystalanine, and our guest today is Captain Rusty Dash from the CFI Service Center, and we're talking about tech revolution. Master Chief. Thanks, Chief. Hey, I am super excited today. One of the things that I love talking about the most as we go around and we do all hands is all the neat uh, software, all the neat technology that the Coast Guard's implementing to improve our quality of life and to make things a lot easier for our people. And the guy who's leading that charge uh, has taken time today to talk to us, and that's Captain Rusty Dash, a good friend of mine, a good friend to the entire workforce. He's kind of one of these guys that works out of the way, but, man, his work has a huge impact. Captain, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Master Chief. I'm uh, excited to be here. So the tech revolution was kind of something we coined a couple years ago, and in in, we had a, a, a flag and senior executive service conference, and uh, we we coined this tech revolution uh, terminology to to you know to kind of describe the total effort of moving the Coast Guard ahead. And there's five lines of effort, and we'll get through those. The, f- the first line efforts: cutter connectivity. Got some word about that today at the brief. And then C5I infrastructure, cyber readiness, software and mobility, and cloud, and data dis- data for decisions. And there's a lot of work that's going on in each one of those. I don't know how one guy like you keeps track of all that. But can you kind of walk us, you know, we st- started talking about this two years ago, why we need this and kind of what the what the short-term and long-term looks are for the tech revolution? Yeah, awesome, Master Chief. Uh, certainly can do that. You know, the the origin story is, is kind of interesting because when, when Admiral Schultz came in, you know, every new commandant sets up a commandant transition team and they build a strategy and the people working on that wove in and we're, we're kind of visionary. I can't take any of the credit for that. That team realized that technology is really an area that we needed to invest in where we can have an impact on every single member of the Coast Guard if we do it right. So when you read this, the strategic plan that Admiral Schultz signed when he became Commandant, over half of those individual goals had technology in them. And uh, we, we were kind of moving out in the normal planning, programming, and budgeting process. And then I think that the members of the Coast Guard need some credit because this is the story as I heard it, Master Chief. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but but um, you and the commandant and the vice commandant will go out and visit units and talk about the strategy and talk about the vision and where the Coast Guard was going. But more often than not, a member at those all hands on the mess deck or, or flight deck would say, hey, that's awesome. But you know I can't do my job because my computer is terrible or That's the network right. is awful. And, and so we, we – you know, the, the technology of the Coast Guard was really limiting Coast Guard performance. And so then we got this question back like always happens after, uh, you know, you visit units or, or, or the commandant or vice commandant visit. And the, the questions started getting more and more pointed about the, hey, what are we actually going to do about that? So it bubbled up and then, and it, and then we, it turned into a, a call to action, a specific – a statement by the commandant for a tech revolution at the State of the Coast Guard address in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, th- this, I don't know that we would have pushed as hard and as fast as we have, have had over the past couple of years if the members of the Coast Guard hadn't spoken truth to power to Coast Guard leadership. And so that's kind of how it started. And then it turned into, well, th- there were a couple of really bad days for us in the nerd herd. Um, you know, my, my first... 
weekend as the CEO of the old uh, C4IT service center I spent in West Virginia because our storage array failed at the data center. Storage array is like the giant hard drive for, uh-huh. for the data center. There's a whole lot of hard drives, but right. it's, it acts like one big one. Well, it died because we ran it way past its expected life. Um, and we kept buying maintenance contracts and holding our fingers and saying, oh, we'll invest in it next year. Um, and then it crashed. And that took down everything at the data center. Really bad day for, for the home team. We, we've, we fought our way through that. But then again, later that summer, Hurricane Florence happened. And uh, email died for three days in the middle of the hurricanes coming ashore. The commandant can't get the updates because email's not working. That re- really bad day for everybody, for information flow in the Coast Guard. So we had a couple of things we could point to, but the root cause was always the same. Because we weren't investing enough in, in technology, we inside the C5I community had kind of cobbled things together. So we had made this like Rube Goldberg architecture way too complex, unnecessarily complex. Each of the components, the hardware and software, was was obsolete. And in that super complex architecture of really old stuff, there were single points of failure all over the place that we didn't know about. So stuff would randomly break and we'd go, well, well why did that die? And, uh, and so it was like this, this nightmare situation for us. And it kept on happening over and over again. And so once you lay all that out, the, the call to action then became by the commandant, all right, hey, we need to actually spend some money on the tech revolution which then turned into five lines of effort that we can dive into. So when we talk about this stuff, I'm going to come back to, you know, how do we invest in the right things? How do we, how do, we do things in the short term, but then also focus on the long-term gains for the Coast Guard um, that, that will endure for years to come? Because some of this stuff, technology is supposed to move fast, Master Chief, but some of this stuff we really have to lay solid foundations for so that we can get exponential returns in the future. You have a lot of bosses too. Uh, you've got some some Coast Guard boss, some DOD. I know DOD's got a stake. DHS has a stake. So you know, just getting the permissions and the ability to do a lot of the things that we would like to do is not always as easy as just hey, we would be really neat if we could do this, and then you you have to go run all the traps to make sure we can do it. So. I just want to say thanks. I tell you what, if you've never met Captain Dash, he's always got a smile on his face, and he's always trying his hardest to make things uh, as good as it can be all across the Coast Guard in terms of our technology and our ability to to leverage technology to do our job. So I want to thank you publicly for that, Captain. So, you know, I heard this morning at the morning brief, or maybe it's all flags, was that Tampa and Weishi, uh, we've got their kind of Wi-Fi, their satellite Wi-Fi going so that they'll have uh, some, they're going to try this out so that we have some connectivity back uh, home on the ship. That's pretty exciting. And then also, I don't hear quite as much about uh, the larger cutter bandwidth, you know, in terms of being able to do their job and the SKs and the Yeomans and the Cooks and everybody being able to to log in and do their stuff. So uh, how are we doing with cutter connectivity? It's on the top line of effort on purpose. Uh-huh. Uh, and so a couple of things there, Master Chief. For we, the initial action we took for big cutters was we bought m- more bandwidth for them, um, basically stroked a check on a new contract, gave them more bandwidth with their existing hardware. We're taking a look right now at the uh, 
the smaller cutters, I air quotes around smaller, right? Two tens and below who have a different technology called KVH as, as their system. And we're, we're looking to replace the hardware on board theirs as an interim step to get them much higher bandwidth and then award a new contract there. But, but the, the vision that we're driving to the, that is going to be the long-term solution is our next-gen cutter connectivity contract, which is really linked to a commercial standard rather than us specifying a piece of hardware and a frequency and um, a whole lot of technical specifications. You know, Master Chief, that gives me the opportunity to talk about something really boring like contracting, right? We have not been smart about how to leverage the way you approach contracts and the way that you buy technology for the Coast Guard. And so we, we've learned a lot. You know, mistakes sometimes, you, you learn some painful lessons, mm -hmm. but really valuable lessons. And in this case, the next-gen contract is really going to be linked to a commercial standard. But our goal there is, obviously, high bandwidth, but we also need to eliminate uh, mast blockage. So right now, almost every cutter, FRCs with a dual antenna solution, they're, they're, uh, they're awesome. Everyone else, uh, not so much, because mm -hmm. on certain courses, uh, the mask gets in the way of the antenna. So we will have a dual antenna solution, so they will maintain a persistent connection. But then we also have to buy service from satellite companies that actually has coverage in all the areas where we send cutters. So it's kind of like when you go on a road trip in your car and you get to the spot where your cell coverage goes out. It doesn't matter that you've got a fancy new phone. If, if you got no cell signal, you, you know, same thing happens to, to our cutters underway right now, especially those 210s um, that, that operate in areas that, that get outside. So a whole lot of work in the short term, but then also that next-gen contract is important. And, you know, Master, if you brought up, uh, you know, commercial Wi-Fi, we actually paused work on that next-gen contract because we had these emerging requirements from the – from 751 and the and the uh, C2D readiness, readiness Council, um, really talking about uh, C2D, and so we paused and make sure we we wrote into that contract how do we provide Wi-Fi on board that ship for use by the crew, and uh, and so if we had pushed forward, we would have awarded a contract that would have been installing hardware on there, and then we would have had to go back and figure out well how do we do this thing that the cutter the crews on board cutters really need so. It, that timing it would have been better if it was a couple years before, but we the good news is we didn't award a contract that didn't meet all of our requirements. So we're pushing forward on that. You mentioned prototypes on board Tampa and Weishi that we're doing that will inform that that uh, requirement. Uh, I got to give a shout out. My brother is a chief on Tampa. Nice. And if you want to talk about getting uh, honest feedback, have a sibling in the chief's mess yes. who's on a cutter. Like it doesn't get any straighter than that uh, when you get the feedback. I'll tell you, you're right about that. Uh, you know, I've called the bridge many times asking them to change course because we lost connectivity or something. But but uh, that's that's great news. And then also uh, my buddy is the command master chief for Navy Fleet Forces, and he wants to know how we're going to do this Wi-Fi thing because the Navy wants to wants to copy us. So that's a that's a good thing. So we've got cutter connectivity uh, moving in a in a good direction on both the the infrastructure and the contracting piece. That's that's terrific. So speaking of infrastructure. You know, I was visiting Base Cleveland, and I went to the ESD, and I was talking to the ITs there, and they had a whole bunch of computers that they had pulled down from the upper Great Lakes because they couldn't re-image them because the bandwidth wouldn't make it, or there wasn't a, they couldn't re-image them all the way up in the, in the greater Great so they were like literally transporting computers back and forth. How are we doing with getting the 
even the basically the shoreside units and you know all you know all our coast guard units a little better bandwidth you know ability to connect to the to our our portal all the stuff that we do yeah master chief uh, so that that's a multi-part question we did a lot of work i'm not going to try not to get too technical um, but when we talk networks, there's two basic ones. I'll, I'll break it down into wide area networks. So the big connections between our four big hub sites and Coast Guard units, and then the local area network. So think from like the fence line of your unit in to your desk, the wires in the walls. We still have wires in the walls almost everywhere. We really need to get to wi wireless for our local area networks. But we've done a ton of work initially on the wide area network. So Early days of the pandemic, I recorded a video to try to explain what we're doing, talked about going from country roads to 10-lane to uh, highways. We really did more than 10 times improvement of the Coast Guard's big pipes out to the internet and the, from units to those big hub sites. We also did some things like uh, at every large Coast Guard unit, and that's a really kind of nebulous term, but we, we had a list and that was you know areas, districts, bases, sectors, air stations, training centers, we added a second connection, a second wire to those units or a second circuit to those units. And that was important, Master Chief, because, you know, if, if somebody drives a truck into a telephone pole or a backhoe through, mm -hmm. you know, the wire, all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> sector North Carolina goes offline. Yeah. And the bad part there is not just that the sector is, is, is off the network, but Rescue 21 doesn't work quickly in that situation and so we actually got cutters boats aircraft underway for for the for the channel 16 guard just because the network went down and so we we've had great success in just giving a second alternate path connection to coast guard units big units are are fairly easy because they tend to be in places where there's commercial network infrastructure we have a whole lot of units out there where there isn't right. a big IT infrastructure. And we've put in place contracts, but sometimes that special construction takes years. Like we had a huge celebration when Station Fire Island finally got their fiber connection. <laughs> it was like two and a half years in the making wow. to get the get the wire out there. And, and D9 has, oh, everyone in the Coast Guard has some remote units that become that challenge to us. And we can talk tech revolution all day long, but if you're at a unit that has a T1 line and like T1 was a really fast thing back in the 90s. Right. Like your cell phone is like 100 times faster than T1 right now. So so those really old brittle connections um, absolutely hampered our ability to do the mission, but also to provide mission support. But then Master Chief, if we get great connections to the fence line, to, to the telephone room at that station, but we don't fix the wires in the walls or provide wireless networking, then we haven't really solved the problem. So that's the next big challenge. And fortunately or unfortunately, that is you know hard work at every single unit, inside every single unit, not just pay the, the telephone company to, to put a new network connection there, which is why we're really excited about exploring what DOD is doing with wireless networking, because that's a whole lot less wires in the walls, but also, you know, in the old days, we engineered everything, assuming that Coasties did their job sitting at a desk at a computer with a wire plugged into the wall. Like, that's just a false assumption, wrong requirement from day one. Like, you don't do operations or mission support sitting at your desk. I mean, that, that whether it's, it's out on the water or on the hangar deck or on the pier doing the work to do operations and mission support, 
we've got to untether coasties from the from their desk and you know you can't have a mobile mission ready workforce if you don't put the wireless networking to allow mobility for the coast guard and that can be wi-fi it can also be cellular and some other things but we're really starting now to think about what's the right way to get after wireless networking and that's one of those things that we need to do the architecture and the engineering and then start rolling that out we've done some tests at the trace ends with some interesting success and lessons learned probably won't be our long-term solution but we're getting after it as well and, and really the point there is to to allow people to do their job uh, wherever they're actually doing their job not do your job and then go back and sit at a desk log into a computer and then kind of document that you actually did your job yeah. right so well, I know, I, I know the, the BOSA mates and MKs would be thrilled to be able to check out a boat and do their maintenance cards and all that without having to print stuff out, take it to the boat, and, or, or ha- be able to do that stuff on a tablet. That's going to be uh, huge for them, and I promise it's, it's coming, so I, I, I'm, I'm counting on you, Captain, to get, to get us there. So, hey, one thing as I visit the, ET, the ETs and ITs at the ESDs is, Boy, their work is really growing. I mean, they are busy, busy. You, you know, as we continue to leverage technology, continue to upgrade, continue to, you know, rely more on technology, I'm going to put a plug in and I'll, and I'll continue to advocate for this, but we're going to need more ETs and ITs. I, I, I tell you, they're, uh, they're, they're doing the best they can, but they're, they're, they're on the road a lot. Trouble tickets just come and come and come. So that I want to publicly thank all the ETs and ITs as well for all their hard work. Real quick, uh, touch on cyber readiness as something I, I know I just don't put a thumb drive in my computer and after that I'm not sure much of it and don't click on an email and I'm not familiar with it. After that I'm not a real, I'm not real savvy on this uh, cyber readiness, but how is the C5I service center involved in cyber readiness and what is that what what, what should the workforce know about cyber readiness? Okay, so uh, I if I could put a plug in for a future podcast, I would totally invite Admiral Ryan and Master Chief Ingham in to, uh, to talk CG Cyber. They just released the new cyber uh, posture statement, and, and they can really talk in detail about their mission set. But, but my job as the service center and the C5I capability provider for the Coast Guard, um, there's three real kinds of work that CG Cyber does according to the, the joint doctrine. One is called... Doden operations, which is a really fancy DOD term for the maintenance of the network in the infrastructure. Uh, Doden stands for DOD information network. So it's all the stuff, you know, patching and, and, and that kind of work. The second uh, uh, line of effort that they do, type of operations that they do, is called defensive cyberspace operations. That is, if bad guys are in the network, they go after them and, and then kick them out of the network and defend our, our territory and then restore things uh, back to proper configuration. And then the really stu- the Hollywood stuff that you see, uh, you know, it's called offensive cyberspace operations. And uh, that, that's, that gets really classified really quickly. Okay. But, but, Master Chief, my job is to deliver the capabilities to CG Cyber to do both Doden Ops and defensive cyberspace uh, operations. Got it, got it. Okay. And so we're doing a lot of stuff. And the, and the bad news, before we started the tech revolution, CG Cyber did not have the tools they needed to do their job. And so over the past two years, we've really gotten after giving them their ability to do both Doden operations and defensive sp- cyberspace operations. Nice. And so they actually, they, they've got a chance now and, and um, the domain of cyberspace is alive and uh, contested. Yeah, uh, I hear about it. Uh, I was always wondering the patching thing. I think that's the 
the thing that why something works for me one day and I come in the next day and it doesn't work for me anymore is something got patched and anyway I'm just kidding. Yeah, we made it better for you. (laughs) It just doesn't work. (laughs) So so now this now we're getting on to the subject that I love the most that I really care about and that I think is going to benefit and and give quality of life to the the to the workforce and that's software mobility and, and the use of the cloud and I've got a ton of questions for you here. Um, the, the, but I'm, I'm going to let you, maybe perhaps you'll answer them in, in your talk. But, you know, as we start to look at, you know, we've got some marine inspectors with some mobility. We've got some recruiters with some mobility. And we're trying to get as much mobility in the hands of our workforce as possible. How mobile can we get? Yeah. So I hope unlimited mobility. I don't know that I've never been asked the question that way, Master Chief, but I got to figure out the right way to say that. Yeah. But but the the whole point, again, back when the commandant says mobile mission ready workforce, again, we should and we have started designing and we have the requirement from CG7. We start mobile first in everything we're doing from now on. We assume that you're not sitting at a computer plugged in with a wire to the wall. And so there's two basic ways we go after uh, software now, thinking like uh, if I was uh, chief information officer of, of a medium-sized company and, and we needed to buy some capability, you can, you can rent it or lease it. It's, the industry term is called software as a service. We're doing that. We did it for Aux Data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we gave the Coast Guard Auxiliary a, a wonderful new IT uh, system that they do everything in. And it absolutely is mobile first. That same platform we're using for the recruiters. And uh, they're going to call their version of that Gangway is, is the app that they're going to use, the system that they're going to use. I like that. The other way is if we write the code ourselves. And, and Master we don't have hard business rules yet. It, it gets down into return on investment and requirements and everything. But, but in general, I think it's going to fall down along these lines. If it is something in the DCMS world, that, that's where the requirements coming from HR, finance, logistics. You know, we're investing uh, and partnering with the Navy on Noble for logistics, for finance, getting ready for uh, mm-hmm. yep. FSMS and and, oh. and and bumpy ride as oh, we boy, transition. I, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can wait. Because uh, <laughs> I think a ton of people working on that one, but that's software as a service. Industry has a ton of solutions out there. It would really be kind of naive to think that the Coast Guard requirements are so unique that we would need to write our own accounting software, right? No, no. We should just buy into what DOD or DHS is using. And so that's why you see us doing that because as we like to think we're really special, but on the mission support side in general, we can buy what we need from industry. Where we have to and really should write our own software are those Coast Guard unique mission areas. You know, whether it's command and control, search and rescue planning, rescue 21 for mayday calls, you can't just go out to Silicon Valley and say, hey, uh, there are 10 companies that do that. There aren't. And so that's where we really need to customize the solution. And it's worth the time and energy to do that because we can really groove the capability to the requirements and absolutely meet the needs of the Coast Guard. And so you'll see us do both of that. We're, We're... we're buying software as a service, and we're also starting. I'm really excited about the software factory that we're standing up. The Air Force is really leading DOD. They have an initiative called Kessel Run because, of course, they picked a really cool Star Wars name for, <laughs> for their project. And, and their platform is called Platform One, and we're, we're, we've actually bought into that platform. So we have developers now writing Coast Guard software 
on platform one, that gets us a lot of benefits. That authority to operate that you mentioned before yeah. already baked into what we're doing. So, so when I when we go to Admiral Ryan, who says yes, we can turn something new on on the network, we we have a lot of evidence based on DoD. And so the cool thing about software modernization for us that we absolutely want to get to, the Air Force is doing it, the Marine Corps is actually doing it now too. They have members of their workforce that are interested and able actually writing code for apps for those services. And so the notion of Coasty coders, if you are, and I, it doesn't matter, rank doesn't matter in this situation, um, we're gonna get to the place where we absolutely are going to allow and incorporate motivated Coasties to, to solve problems because the talent is absolutely there. And you know, I jokingly say, everybody in my community's got a no button. Like, if you want an answer today, I can give it to you, and it's going to be no. Um, <laughs> if you want to get to yes, there's like three people that have yeah. that button, and it's really hard to get to yes. And and part of our job as we do the tech revolution is knock down all of those kind of bureaucratic barriers, contracting the wrong way, requirements management the wrong way. We really have to go fast, like uncomfortably fast if we want to keep up with with technology and industry and and software is going to be a huge place for us to do that and that's one of those things that i talked about where doing some work now that takes a year 18 months to stand up a software factory and really be ready to go fast that's painful and it looks like it's nothing's happening you're watching it and nothing's happening but we're getting ready to in the next uh i would say three months maybe six months get ready to go fast and then my job is to is to go faster than cg7 can give cg6 requirements like nice. we're gonna well, i want to run faster than than um than the requirements are coming in the front door that that's a really bold and audacious statement but uh that that's our goal is uh, uh is to is to go fast because the the bad news situation mass chief when we started this is like everything is terrible like the networks were horrible, the hardware was terrible, the software was terrible. The good news is opportunities abounded. Like it turned somewhere, there's a great problem to solve. You it's going to make go life up. better. Exactly. Um, and so, uh, no, that's yeah. Good. I like to, hey, and I like to go fast. One, a couple ideas um, for the software that we might write. If somebody out there can write software to do a 4100 form uh, in Missile, that'd be fantastic. We need that. We need that. I think we have about half the Missile app kind of in, inspect for the marine inspectors. So we need the other half for our boarding teams. And then, you know, we say that the, the, we say that talent management is a, you know, a strategic imperative. We need to be able to understand our talent and everything like that. Wait, I tell you, TMT has been broke a long time. If we can, <laughs> if we can get TMT or replace it for TMT, uh, that would be wonderful. But I, I will, um, I, I, I'm uh, behind you hundred percent. I hope everybody out there listening, if you have some skills, Send us a note, and we will try to connect you with the folks that uh, maybe you can help be a part of the solution. So that that's fantastic, and I'm glad to hear you say that you are trying to go as fast as as the as the process will allow. So that's that's terrific. You know, Master Chief, when when I was on my grad school payback, I was a lieutenant commander in seven six one. We still had like we had Palm trios and little credit card receipt printers. Mm -hmm. Like we actually. You know, mid two thousands, we're doing missile mobile. Where right. boarding officers were doing that, and then we let all that fall apart, and we went back to paper. We just did it again for missile adjudication. Like it's it's so disheartening if you look at the and it, and it's a really uh, insightful example of hey, this flywheel we're going to get it going, but if we don't keep pushing on it, like. We're, 
everything stops. And yeah. so technology, that pace and treadmill of technology is important to stay on or we go back to paper. Yeah. It's 2021 and we're still filling out paper 4100 forms. That's I know we crazy. can email them. Everybody in the world's got an email address now. Hey, Skipper, what's your email address? I'll just email you this form. So, hey, as I sit here, I just real quick disclaimer. I'm looking at Captain Dash. He's wearing a nice big cutterman's pen on his uniform. So he's a cutter guy. He knows what, what the challenges we face are. So I want to I want to pivot to Office 365 in the cloud. I, I get emails and Admiral Dermanellian tells me, this, but it's kind of seamless to me. I come in, I click the email button and it comes up and I got email. What's the difference and what is that going to enable us to do? And is there any fear that we should, you know, on the ships? Or is, is it going to be good for the ships? Awesome questions, Master Chief. You know, and it makes me happy to hear that you don't see because the the first hurdle for us for Office 365 was after Hurricane Florence when we had all these really old and broken email servers. We all looked at each other and said, "We can buy email in the cloud. Like, why are we trying to run our own email servers?" Um, but I'll tell you, I, I have people inside the C5I community who are super happy to go and like touch their server, right? Because it's their thing and they maintain it. Sure. And so, shift to the cloud comes with a culture change for us as well. But to your point, Master Chief, the the threshold is is really it should just work. It should be like the, the light switch, the the water faucet. It should just be automatic. Admiral Dermondellian, though, is is absolutely right when he describes this as the single biggest IT change for the Coast Guard since Workstation 3. And if you were in the Coast Guard in 1996, we went from these horrible green screens mm -hmm. in the old CTOS operating system to these Windows computers. And that was really painful for the Coast Guard. We had to teach a lot of people how to use a mouse and yeah, like this guy. It, it was uh, <laughs> yeah. it was uh, we had the action and the go key on the yeah. keyboard and yeah. um, you know distro groups were called bang lists because mm -hmm. they started with an exclamation point but but the the point there is we have bought a commercial capability as a service so it's email as a service but it's more than just that the capabilities that are in there in Microsoft Teams in uh, Microsoft Planner, in the whole host. Like if you go to the 365 landing page, there's icons all over the place. And most people in the Coast Guard look at that and go, uh, there, there's a whole lot of stuff that I don't know how to use and, and don't use it. And so I, I would put a plug in we did today just for the first time, our first boot camp session, online training. And there were over 500 Coasties on that first session watching. And there's an, it's like 90 minutes is the basic course and then if you go advanced it's five 60 minute classes one day a week for uh for a week but you can learn a lot and microsoft will teach you how to leverage those tools i think that once we we really shift everybody into teams and turn off skype people will figure out how to use teams and it's going to be amazing but master Chief, back to your question about cutters we intentionally kept email servers on cutters it made the architecture more complex, but our requirement after talking to CG7, both 761 and 751 is, hey, if you're an MCON alpha, or you know, for the non-cutterman, if the network is either we turned it off on purpose or it's just not working, the crew of that cutter need to be able to exchange information with each other. And so we've kept email servers on, we call them the capital cutters. That's probably not the best name, but like the 40 biggest ships in, in the Coast Guard. Sure. Wimsels, 270s, uh, icebreakers, um, 210s. And so that those cutters have email servers on them. That makes it a little tricky because they're partially in the 365 environment, partially uh, on board the cutter. 
But uh, for everybody else in, in the Coast Guard, once you're there and once we've moved your files and we're about 40% done with the Coast Guard now here we're at the end of August, uh, moving people into OneDrive, next summer in, in PCS season, if you're going from a shore unit to a shore unit, that whole like dreaded CG fix it ticket where yeah. you hope like you're like offline for two weeks and you hope your files are still there when you get to the other side, yeah. like, no, no, it's all in OneDrive. You just go and change your unit affiliation and your stuff's still there. Everything works throughout the, that process. So we, we always look to the cutters because they're the hardest problem to solve. But but we also look at what what is available for all the sand peeps, uh, you know, that, that are out there in the coast. What's Garden. the chances that I'll be able to look at my email in route on my oh. own? Oh, I, I, I love I love where you're going with that, Master Chief. And so I'm going to talk right now about a couple stretch goals for us. And so okay. please don't say, oh, Captain Dash said that. So where, where is it? But yeah. but no, no promises. But this is our aspiration, right? right. I'm, I'm gonna, I want to know what your goals are. Sure. Where would you like to be? All right. So uh, and this is always scary, right? Because you want to under promise over deliver. Okay. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get out hey, there. You got to shoot for the stars yeah. and hit, you know, whatever. How do they say that? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so the the first thing is bring your own authorized device, which people have asked for, I don't know, 10 years now, yeah. um, ever since smartphones became affordable and everyone has one. Why can't I get my Coast Guard email on, on my phone? Great question. DOD is really pushing hard there. And because we are a dot mill organization, we really couldn't do that until DOD puts in place all the security and everything. But the good news is DOD leadership at... U.S. Cyber Command, DISA, DOD, CIO, all of them are, you know, realize the same power that comes once you allow people to use their own devices. So this week, actually, we're doing a bunch of engineering tests with them. If all goes well, we could get to the place, you know, if it goes really well, it'll be less than a year before we can authorize users to average Coasty on your phone, personal phone, um, go through the steps to get and our, our initial threshold is email and teams. And why we say teams, Master Chief, is if some of your people you're working with are at their desk or, or on a laptop somewhere and you're on your phone, you can have the video call in teams on your phone wherever you're at. And uh, and again, we've mobile mission ready workforce, right. we've really enabled that by by doing that on on your own devices. We know we're we're going to turn that on and shift um, over to that for uh, the Coast Guard-owned devices. They're currently the BlackBerry devices mm -hmm. in the Coast Guard. But what, what, where we really get after that is if, like, I would love to not have to carry two phones. Yeah, like, that's just I terrible, hear that right? a lot. And, and so if we can get to that point and allow that to happen. The other example that we're really pushing hard towards is a capability that will go back to Outlook Web Access, right? So whether you're a reservist, or add a DOD combatant command where there's no Coast Guard network. How do we allow you with just your CAC and, and a computer to get to the 365 environment? And the goal is the entire thing. So not just email, but Teams and OneDrive. And, and so if you're at home and you need to edit the dreaded PowerPoint slide, you know, for the next day, like, do you have to break out a laptop and VPN or launch a VDI session? No, the, the vision is take your CAC, pop it in a CAC reader, open the 365 website, log in with your pin, make the, fix the typo in your slide or do whatever you gotta do, hit save, and you're good to go. Right. And so for reservists, uh, 
married to a retired reservist. You want to talk about the feedback I got there about how we were failing <laughs> reservists with Coast Guard IT. Um, every time Danielle would drill, I'd hear about it. And so we, we really then provide support to, to those folks in, in those edge cases where they absolutely need capability and they don't have it today. That's fantastic. I know the, the new two-in-ones are going to be really neat. Uh, you, you know, I know not everybody's going to get them. Some people will, will, will be able to have a you know, if, you, if you're an XPO or an OIC or CO or, you know, you're in a command cadre position or maybe you just can take one from home from work. Hey, I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. I'm the ops and I need to take this. What are those two-on-ones going to allow us to be able to do? Yeah, great great question, Master Chief. So so when I talked about us designing for, for mobility first, uh-huh. two-on-ones is the industry term for a computer that looks just like a Microsoft Surface, right? right. So Microsoft trademark term Surface. Yeah. It's a it's a really fancy ultra portable laptop. You can fold the screen over. The screen is touch screen. You can take a stylus and handwrite, yeah. you know, write on it. But it, it has a touch interface. But it's also like they're all like three pound laptops. Yeah. Like when I was for two years working here on the CG6 staff, I think I took my Coast Guard standard workstation laptop home like twice because it weighs like 15 pounds. Yes. Like I'm not lugging that thing back and forth on the off chance I may need to use it. Right. Today, using one of the one of the initial uh, two-in-ones, that thing weighs three pounds. It goes in my bag every night, Master Chief, just in case I got to get on. Like, I don't even notice it. Right. And so so the, the model, and um, I'm going to joke a little bit, but right, uh, there's no hard problem that a headquarters can't solve without a working group, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we did a standard workstation IPT, integrated project team, uh, but they came back with some great requirements. They looked at the different types of users in the Coast Guard and said, well, what does their workstation need to look like? And the bias before was when we were really pinching pennies hard, and not that we have unlimited money now, but we have a little bit of money to spend now. We bought the cheapest computers for everybody, which was like <laughs> this horrible minimum requirements RAM hard drive, old processor, big desktop, terrible, right? Yeah. It was obsolete almost the day we bought it, yeah. right? So what we're now doing, about 80% of the workstations in the Coast Guard are going to roll over to a two-in-one or an ultra-portable laptop. And so if you're in a command center or you're at a shared a kiosk kind of computer, um, those will all stay desktops because they're not going to go anywhere. But almost everyone else in the, com- in the Coast Guard, their computer is going to shift over to a two-in-one. And, and the point there is that's our interim step on mobile mission-ready workforce. Oh, the other cool thing we're doing there, it'll be up to each unit to buy the actual cellular SIM card, but we're buying all of them with the ability to for the unit to buy a cellular service for the laptop. So your laptop isn't reliant on you waiting for a Wi-Fi hotspot, go to, go to a coffee shop right. to be able to, to do your work. Like that Marine inspector on the ship, if they've got a two-in-one and they need to do more than what they're able to do, they've got the full capability of a workstation using the VPN on the network. It's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. But you know, Master Chief, the next step, when we look past this generation of what we're buying, we really then get into the place of, hey, maybe the standard workstation actually isn't a, a clunky laptop. Like may, maybe four or five years from now, it's it's a tablet, a, a really small tablet or a phone that you can come and plug in at your desk because it does everything that you need it to do. So we're also, we have an eye to the future, but the short-term goal is, is replacing the workstations of, of the of the people of the Coast Guard. The sad news today, Master Chief, more than half of the people in the Coast Guard are using a computer that's like six years old or older, which is like three generations this guy. of... This guy. Yeah, and it's terrible. Right? <laughs> so I'm going around evangelizing tech revolution. We're working our tails off. We're doing all this good stuff. And all my friends look at me and they go, Rusty, like 
you know my computer is terrible, right? Like, it doesn't matter how good 365 is, how awesome that network is. It takes an hour for me to log into my computer. Yeah. So, like, the threshold for us, we just, in early part of the summer, spent $10 bucks to buy, buy some computers. Our major off-ramp for Fallout money inside the 42 account this year, the IT money of the Coast Guard, we're you know, fingers crossed, going to be able to spend more north of $30 million on, on workstations for the Coast Guard. The units that have gotten the first ones, Master Chief, they have immediately come back and said, I have the, like, internal haves and have-nots inside my command. Everybody who got the new ones loves yeah. them, and everyone who doesn't is super jealous. And yeah. so we really need to close that gap because because the computer that you use every day is the tech revolution, and we we most of the Coast Guard hasn't really felt the tech revolution yet because their computer is terrible. Okay, so Coast Guard Portal right now is exactly like those email servers were that died during Florence. We're running really old servers, a really old version of SharePoint that is uh, barely supportable. We're in the process right now of shifting. We're doing the project work. We hired some consultants, and we're going to shift all that onto SharePoint Online. That's another okay. huge part of 365. Master Chief, the... Like 94% of the sites on CG Portal, super easy. They'll they'll translate right over. Uh, we'll actually go to the people that, that are the owners and say, uh, do you still use this? Right. Do we need to move this or not? Right. And if they do, great, uh, we'll move it. There are some folks who have gotten really innovative on Portal, thinking about you know the Common Core. Right. The Yeoman have gone done amazing stuff with Cyrus. Cyrus yep. And then the thing that everyone at headquarters loves to hate TMS, yep. right? The that thing generates more spam than like Russian spam bots, oh right? And and so, but that thing, uh, those three things are built on the SharePoint infrastructure. They technically run on Portal, but they're not like when you log in, you're like, this isn't Portal, right? And so we need to figure out those. We can't just forklift over into SharePoint Online. So we need to work with those folks and figure out the right way to solve those problems. But for the average Coastie, the average Portal site. We have we are absolutely shifting to SharePoint Online, so it will you know knock on wood, be bulletproof like email is in terms of access. The other thing that we have to get after HomePort runs on that same SharePoint inter- infrastructure in, in the data center, and so we we got to get after that as well. But yeah, uh, if I can get less emails from Dave Duffy telling me how terrible Portal is, then my <laughs> life gets better. Right? I love Dave Duffy. Oh, me too. If me you too. haven't experienced Dave Duffy, you are missing out on one of the finer things, the funniest things in yep. life. Anyway, uh, Dave, if you're listening, way to go, buddy. Uh, So, yeah, the portal, just about everything I need to see is there. And about half the time I can get in there and about half the time I can't. Uh, So, You know, Master Chief, uh, I want to loop back to you talked about ETs and ITs in the field. When we move all of your files up to OneDrive, and the other thing, we're we're going through a big cyber task order right now on, if you've watched the news at all in in the IT cybersecurity space, you know there's a lot of stuff going on with printers. Sure. We're going to get rid of print servers and file servers. There's 1,200 file and print servers throughout the Coast Guard. We're going to move all that to the cloud. We're going to go to OneDrive, and then we're going to have some centralized print servers. So those ETs and ITs, rather than having to go and patch those servers, they're already overloaded with tickets. We get rid of that workload. Now, all of a sudden, they can get after your fix-it ticket faster because they're not having to do that. And actually, our business case, when we went to CG8 and said, and 6.8 did the business case, I was there when we did it. We said, you know, how do you pay? Because 365 isn't cheap, but Microsoft has a great product and they know it. And and so how do you offset the cost of a 365 subscription for every member of the Coast Guard? Well, you just get rid of 1,200 servers where you're not buying them every couple of years and the <laughs> software licenses and all the patching yeah. and everything for them. All of a sudden, it becomes affordable. And so, and then those 
ETs and ITs can get back to directly supporting other members of the Coast Guard, not going into the server room and trying to patch something that's going to fall apart. So, so there is a method to the madness on 365. I tell you, I pay a little bit more than 100 bucks a year, something like that, 120 bucks a year, something. I don't remember to Microsoft for the OneDrive thing. But any computer I log into, there's my, there's all my. It's like I save something to my desktop. It shows up on my other two devices too. So I mean, it's just, uh, it's pretty neat. I like it. I don't mind. Uh, it's a kind of expensive, but I don't mind paying for it. Um, it's a, it's going to be great though. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to all the flexibility that 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 gives us. So next thing is data for decisions. So we have something that I kind of just learned about at the last flag conference, uh, the data readiness task force. And we've got some super smart people that are here in the building. And uh, I'm going to let you kind of do a better job of explaining it to me, but they're, they're just trying to make all our systems, you know, work together to give us the best use of the data that we collect. Can you say that better than I just did? Yeah, Master Chief. So uh, when, when we say things like big data or machine learning or artificial intelligence, most of the people in the Coast Guard look and go, we don't, we're the Coast Guard. Like, right. why do we need <laughs> artificial intelligence? Yeah. But it's it's real. And so I'll give a couple of examples for you. And um, the, the DRTF are, are really w- wicked smart folks getting after the, the data problem of the Coast Guard. And I say problem because we have amazing information stored in like patrol summaries and after action reports for 20 years like like what, what have cutterman been been saying in the in those documents what is in the text field of missile case entries for 20 years and we have no way to pull that out it's all locked inside hierarchical databases that don't talk to each other and so what uh, the smart data folks have done in industry for a long time is figure out how to put all that data together and really get after getting uh, information and then operationalize, make better decisions with the data that we already have. But right now it's it's like gold locked in a mountain that we can't get after and we got to go get it out. And so that's really what the DRTF is is getting after is, is that. But then it changes the way we think about that software modernization. So if we're going to store the data in a place where the a big data platform and and some really smart folks can kind of tune how we use that then it doesn't matter if you're doing logistics stuff or operational mission data all of a sudden you can blend those things together with intelligence information and and stuff about the the maritime transportation system and you can really get insightful things that that would not be intuitive if just a human being looked at it and so that's what they're really getting after is for a for a relatively small investment we can absolutely uh, take advantage of you know a whole lot of ones and zeros that we've got stored in that storage array that crashed uh, right after I took command. <laughs> but you know, Master Chief, the, the other example there. Let's let's talk about let, let's weave these all together in in one that um, so the the vessel traffic service um, or system that's at all the ports that that you know have have uh, actually the the law tells us yes. where we have to have yes. BTSs. Yes. But they're a collection of radars and cameras and radios and AIS receiver transmitters and servers and software. And like all those things are nearing the end of their life. And so, but like the old way of doing that before tech revolution is we would have taken a requirements document and gone to nine and bought a thing that wasn't integrated. And we would have ended up with the capability, but what 
what the tech revolution has forced us to think about is rather than buy a whole bunch of little pieces, how do you make the whole greater than the sum of the parts? So if we're gonna buy new radars and new cameras, how do we do that in a way that's interoperable with the DHS architecture and the DOD architecture? How do we make sure that the data we collect there is stored in a way that, I don't know, you can put some machine learning algorithms on there and it watches the vessels in the port for weeks and months and then says, okay, this is what normal vessel traffic looks like over times of year, times of day, in weather conditions. And then it alerts the VTS watchstander to something that's a deviation from normal. And the, and the normal vessel traffic in Houston is totally different than the normal vessel traffic in San Francisco or New York. But if you have machine learning in the VTS system, it knows how vessels move in that particular AOR. And, that's, and then, then you can apply artificial intelligence on top of that. And so we're not too far away from actually leveraging the power of machine learning and artificial intelligence. And it sounds like science fiction, but it helps Coasties do their job better. And if we hadn't started down the path of the tech revolution, we would have just you know, done, done it the old way and right. had this awesome stovepipe system that didn't talk to anything else. We, we talk about the swivel chair interface and command centers that we're trying really hard to get rid of. And that was, you know, if, if you're an operations unit watch center in the old days, you, like you log into like 10 different things and you're swiveling in your chair looking from screen to screen, how do we collapse all of those things and integrate themselves? And so the DRTF is really driving our thinking on, on the data, starting with data and then figuring out everything else. So That's fascinating. I tell you, this is really resonating too with our congressional members. We are getting a ton of congressional support for this tech revolution as the commandant would go and, and strongly advocate for improved readiness. This is a huge part of our ability to be ready, to be ready and to leverage technology to improve our readiness. And, and con Congress has, has picked up a lot of the requests that we've put forth for, for, for our tech revolution. They've specifically said, this is for your tech rev this money is for your tech revolution. It is done, you, you've helped us increase our budget, uh, which means when, we, when they pay for that, then th we're not having to use that money to, to take it to pay for something else. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. The other thing that I found uh, interesting, we used to run the C4 IT service center and is the, the budget model you guys had would be, somebody would, some program would want something, so they would give you money, and then all the money would come into C4IT Service Center, and then the Coast Guard would give you different priorities than what the program said and said. But you did so you were it was almost a Ponzi scheme for how how you had to pay. And we've kind of with the tech revolution and the whole of Coast Guard coming together to really resource and give you the funds you need to do what you need to do. All everybody's a little bit happier now, and I, we're actually able to work in a concerted way to move the entire organization as opposed to, I make this program happy, then I make that program happy, and then I make this program happy, and this program's really mad at me because they gave me money and I haven't got their thing done yet. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really excited for you about that. As we wrap up, is there any final thoughts or anything you wanna kinda maybe whet the appetite of the workforce of, of you know what they can look forward to? Yeah, so the, the one other um, thing that, that is coming, we're actually testing it right now. It's because, uh, of course, we have to have a completely confusing acronym, um, and I don't have a plain language way to describe it, but it's called Cloud-Based Internet Isolation, CBII. It's how the DOD allows safe, secure access to the Internet, like normal Internet web surfing. But the really cool thing about that is 
they're actually turning on access to social media sites oh, wow. through that capability. We're testing it right now. The holy grail for us will be, and actually Laguerre is going to test it on, underway for us. And uh, the initial test, we haven't turned on social media sites, but the goal will be Master Chief. And, and, and this is where it's, a, again, don't quote me, Captain Dash didn't promise this, yeah. but uh, it's aspirational. Yeah. Admiral Dermanellian, as the CIO, has to change the policy a little bit on limited personal use of Coast Guard infrastructure for for uh, personal use. And then Admiral Ryan, who is my other boss, right, two right. bosses, as the commander of Task Force 31, our CG Cyber Command and Control Organization, he actually approves all the things that get turned on on the network. He then has to say, after we prove that it is secure to him, then he'll say, yes, turn that on. But... The you know when, when I listened to the episode with, with Captain Driscoll, he talked about you know social media sites for, sure. for crews underway as being important and uh, for for sea duty attractiveness right. and absolutely so so that is we're on the verge of doing that what what the the big test for us didn't work so good in the cutter connectivity lab um, because of the latency but DISA is absolutely working with us to tune that up so that in our use cases if you, again if you if we can make it work on a cutter I know that it'll work. Anywhere else in the Coast Guard, because sure. um, cutters are the hardest. But that's one of the things that we absolutely are trying to turn on. So whether it's Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or whatever, that people will be able to stay connected to their friends and family um, when they're underway. That's awesome. I thought the Navy could do that. So they they did it a, a little bit different way. But this this is the DISO, which is the Defense Information Systems Agency, like the the um, actual IT infrastructure for DoD. Yep. They figured out a really secure way to do it, and. Nice. Um, in a better way that that is actually your browser is actually running in uh, in a container in the cloud and like if there's any malware or whatever it kind of it's like a detonation chamber sure. where it blows up all the malware so none <laughs> of it comes to you and you don't see any of that stuff it's that's, it actually works pretty cool that's amazing yeah Master Chief, the, yeah. the the one other like big picture thing for us right my friends used to like love teasing me about the motto of the C5I community used to be uh, delivering yesterday's technology <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> right? And it, and it hurts, but you know, truth hurts sometimes, right? Oh, so God. our goal going forward with the tech revolution, all I want to get to is I want to give you today's technology today, yes. not tomorrow. I'm not trying to be DARPA. We're not right. trying to be fancy. And even though we talked about AI and machine learning, that's really not that far. That's in the realm of the possible for us today. That's all we really want to get after. Leverage the power of what is available in industry for Coast Guard operations and mission support today. It's not fancy, it's not, it'll feel fancy because it'll be totally different <laughs> than what we've had before, but it's really not uh, sci-fi, okay. if, if that's the message. Well, that's exciting. Well, I tell you, you know, you are just, you're, you're leading on, on uh, these all these five different fronts with many bosses, and I just, again, want to thank you so much. I'm not sure why you have a smile on your face every time I see you, but I, I, maybe it's because you're actually getting somewhere. You're making improvements. You're seeing the, the future. And maybe you're just as excited as I am about the future and what, what technology can deliver to improve our quality of life. I just want to thank you and your entire C5I team, everybody in the enterprise. They're all working very hard. They're super smart people. And there's a it's a mix, too, right? C civilian contractors, active duty reserve, everybody. So... Thank you. Thank you, Captain. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. If you ever want to, if you've got some updates and you want to come back, we'd love to have you again. You, you, this was a fantastic, this is a fantastic podcast. Thank you. All right, Master Chief. My yeah. pleasure. Thanks.